everyone and welcome to this week's episode of We're Spinning Plates. I'm Em and I'm Kira and I'm Jess and as you can see from that last part we have another guest today which is very very exciting we're big Jess fans we are big (laughs) Jess fans we kind of pounced on Jess to make her be part of this podcast because she came to visit us in York earlier this summer and we thought we'll ask her in person because then she has no chance to say no yeah people can't say no in person (laughs) it was it was a time I wouldn't have said no anyway like this is like everything I feel like whenever I hear your podcast I'm always talking back to you and now I actually get to Oh, amazing I love that because that's what I do like with my favorite podcast which was talking taste but I would always like answer the questions as if I'm on it and kid myself that I ever would be um but yeah you actually are so that's really exciting and I feel like this one's going to be such a helpful episode to a lot of people we were just talking about this before we obviously started zooming you which is very <laughs> weird like zooming you um we're just saying you have so many interesting things about you that I think this is going to be this is going to cover a wide variety of topics going to be really helpful I think for any postgrads or anyone looking to graduate or just like facing the abyss of adulthood <laughs> not to dramat- <laughs> dramatize things but you know um so this should be a very fun episode but as always before we get into the questions let's start out with some highs and lows so Jess do you want to start with some highs and lows of the week okay cool it's been <laughs> it's been a very very good week so there's a lot of high of my week oh, um, <laughs> probably the main was one was today that we went to a water park which Ooh. was like, so much fun um it was just like you know all the typical water park slight slides lovely sunny day it was just a great time oh, um okay. can't relate to the sun I here i know and i can't remember the last time i went to a water park like there's so much fun but like yeah. i feel like something i only do if i'm in like spain which clearly <laughs> haven't been there for a while because of the old pandemic so <laughs> panny day <laughs> and in terms of a low um Patrick's gonna hate me for saying this but I'm gonna say it anyway Uh, we had a bit of a a dinner disaster this week in that I made cauliflower tacos and I've made them before so I like prepped all the cauliflower I like got all of the like topping things ready and the sauce which is a avocado cilantro well coriander I don't know I've got you (laughs) cilantro now um sauce and just before like it was all going to be ready I needed to call my nan so I was like right Patrick all you have to do is put the avocado <laughs> in and blend it that's all you, all you have to do and then just serve it the tacos he added a lot of salt and a lot of pepper <laughs> and it ended up tasting like spicy seawater sauce and it was oh. like literally horrific couldn't eat it so I made him make me pancakes instead but it was a very big low because I was so excited and then they were just so horrible oh Patrick you had one job there's nothing (laughs) nothing worse I think because obviously pancakes are delicious but there's nothing worse than thinking you're going to be having one thing that you're really Mm -hmm. excited for and then that having to be something else that happened to us not too long ago it wasn't a little while ago actually it's before this season of the podcast and it was we were meant to be going to Gron for pancakes which is where I took Jess when she came to York um but Gron was closed for a refund Sarah kicked off. I didn't kick off. We actually went to the Double Dutch Pancake House, which usually I like, but because I expected to be getting grand pancakes, I was in a real mood that day. It was horrible. (laughs) Do you know what the uh, story about Patrick and adding the salt and pepper reminds me of? So my little sister, who was our first guest of this season, just a little throwback, um, she has just moved in with her boyfriend and no offense to Taylor but he can't really cook and she does a lot of the stuff in the household and apparently she left him alone for five minutes don't know what they were cooking but she came back and the tea towel was on fire 
Oh, <laughs> like, no. I don't know how he managed to do that on like, I think it's an electric hob. But anyway, he set oh the tea God. towel on fire and she was like, Taylor, you had one job. So not set the tea towel on fire. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. What a drama. So kitchen dramas are on the menu this week. <laughs> oh, spicy. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Uh, okay. Do you want to go with yours? Yes. Okay. So. <laughs> I've already told Kira about my low because it was too funny at the time not to share. So this week I went to, it was called a night market and it was just like loads of independent jewellery and gift stalls and I had the best cheese toastie that was actually made with a naan bread. It was amazing. Ooh. It was like a curry cheese toastie. It was amazing. And there was like music and things like that. And I went to a jewellery store mm. and the woman was so lovely um, and she said, you can try on anything you like. So I got this ring. It was quite a thick ring. You know, like one of those rings, not like the one I actually bought. Don't know if you can see that, Jess, but one that's like yeah. thick and thin if you know what I mean oh so like a plate so it's like yeah yeah yeah. and so I put it on my little finger I couldn't get it off and you know when you panic (laughs) and the more you panic the more your finger swells swells, yeah Yeah. and so it ended up that there was a massive queue of people and not a wide selection of rings because they were quite expensive and like she just put like a selection on display and she was like you're gonna have to stand there with your head hand in the air (laughs) and wait for the swelling to go down so you can get the ring off so I had to stand there for it it was a good 10 minutes I was with my cousin Emma and she was absolutely pissing herself and and then like I kept trying to yank it off with like venom because I was like just desperate to be out of the situation (laughs) and when it did come off it flew across the market and rolled away so I had to then chase this ring across it was a real low like you know when your face heats up so so much that you think you're just gonna burst into flames (laughs) I did actually end up buying this ring which not the one that got stuck different ring lovely lovely person that was very (laughs) kind when my ring got stuck on her finger especially because she had to give me (laughs) and she had to give me hand sanitizer to get it off and then when I got the little care package like the little thing that you read that says how you should take care of the ring um after I bought this one it said please avoid hand sanitizer and I was like not only did I cause major embarrassment and get the ring stuck, but I then put hand sanitizer on it, which you're not meant to do. Mm. So that was a low, but she was really lovely about it. And I got a great ring at the end of the experience, but it was a definite low in the moment. And also like extra bit of high is like, I bet the thought of having to go to A&E crossed your mind at some point of like- Oh my gosh, I'd, I'd seen a TikTok, don't know if you've seen the TikTok, mm. of the girl whose ring got so stuck on her finger that she actually like uh, uh, almost burst and it went purple and black and she had to get it cut off at A&E. And I was panicking so much. So really it is a high- You are a catastrophe uh, of these things. Yeah, so I, I yeah. <laughs> and then I put it on my Instagram story the next day, like the ring I actually bought and I tagged her and she was like, it was so lovely to meet you. And- I wanted to make a joke about it, but I just thought it was best to just move on past the whole experience. So that was my low. And then my high is that this morning we got tickets to see Ed Sheeran, which I'm very excited about. I've never seen Ed Sheeran live. Like, I like his music. Yeah. But I've never seen him live, but Ben really loves him. Um, and so we're going to Manchester to see Ed Sheeran I next love year. That. I really do. I love Ed Sheeran. Do not know that. Um, oh. oh, I'm yeah. sorry. I'm sorry, you know but... Jay doesn't okay. either. Jay hates that shit. No. He's just like a bit of a glorified. I don't want to like I'm happy for you. I like his new stuff, but his old stuff just reminded me of a glorified wedding singer. Too many love songs. <laughs> That's actually so funny because I, I was gonna say that. I don't really listen to his new stuff at all, but I really like his old music. So 
clearly I just love glorified wedding singers and I'm okay with that so that's fine I mean like obviously I would I don't think I would have bought Ed Sheeran tickets like on my own <laughs> but Ben wanted to go and then the other part of the bargain is that if either Maisie Peters or Taylor Swift tours then obviously Ben he has to split tickets with me but also <laughs> um I have a strong feeling I'm really wishing this manifesting it into existence. But you know Maisie Peters? Don't know if anyone knows Maisie. I was telling you about yeah, her album. I love Maisie Peters. Yeah, Ed Sheeran, Ed Sheeran produced it. He's on the label. Mm-hmm. Um, or his, it is his label. And so I really hope that she's going to be like the support because that would be cool. That would be cool. That'd be like two birds with one stone. Yeah. What a dream. And I don't think that's like out of the realm of possibility. No, if you were like, I'm really hoping Taylor Swift is going to be there. Yeah. I'd be like, look, don't get your hopes up. I mean, I know that they are friends, but... When I went to see Taylor Swift in London in 2014, I want to say, he was the guest on that. But he wasn't quite so big and famous then, I suppose. I mean, he was still quite famous. I mean, that would be dreamy, but Amazing Peters would be even dreamier. So that is my high. I love that. Um, Okay, so for me, uh, my high is kind of a double high. So the first bit is that Bake Off was back this week on the TV, which I'm just so happy about. I feel like last year it was a real possibility that it wasn't going to be on because of of lockdown. And then they pulled out of the bag and they done like a... They done. They had (laughs) done. done, They had done a, um, you know, like the lockdown version where they all had to stay at the same place and like in a bubble. And it was such great news and then this year I thought well we did it last year they have to do it this year but it started getting later and later and I was thinking oh no what if they're not going to do Bake Off this year but then they did obviously imagine the UK backlash if Bake Off wasn't on that's all that's all we cling to backlash from just me alone would have been (laughs) just awful um but then extra great news is that obviously there is a vegan baker on bake off this oh my year God, i'm such a freya fan she's, she's cool so cool um she's also like the youngest baker and not to be ageist but i do often find that i like like the young ones so i'm like yeah you go because like they're all amazing but when you see like a 60 year old woman who's been baking for 50 of her 60 years of life you're like mm-hmm. okay she's had quite a lot of time to perfect this skill whereas when there's like an 18 year old you're like wow you're yeah. really good like competing in there with people who've been doing it for way longer extra fact about Freya is that she's from North Yorkshire which is yeah. where we live so which I think cool. that's another reason why I like her so much like her accent is just spot on like yeah um do you like Lizzie oh yeah (laughs) I was like oh no Kira's gonna come to me I don't remember all her names um I actually really do like her like she's eccentric but in the best way she seems chaotic yeah like chaotic energy on the bake-off can be the best thing ever but Mm -hmm. for viewers maybe not the best thing if you're baking (laughs) but we love a scouse accent well even though I I don't really have one but no in theory we love a scouse (laughs) accent Um, and then final bit of that high about Bake Off is that for my food channel, I'm filming a Great British Bake Off vegan bake along where I do like a vegan bake for each of the weeks inspired by one of the challenges. And this week I was very nervous for the first week, which was cake week. So I had to make a vegan Swiss roll. Haven't made a Swiss roll since I was probably in year seven in like DT food. Um, and um, <laughs> That just reminded me of all of the TikToks. You know where you like, have to go into your parents' room at 6am? I forgot my food text. So. <laughs> um, and I certainly haven't made a vegan Swiss roll. And vegan cakes can be delicate at the best of times. So I was yeah. nervous. But 
it worked out all right. There was definite crack in the Swiss roll, but I managed to cover it up with icing. And the best thing is that it tastes good. So that was the main thing. I've just seen it in person and it looks like autumn. Oh, which love to see it. is a vibe that I think we can all um we can all what? I don't know. We can all get we on can board. All. <laughs> we can all autumn. Um, I can't uh, autumn. I miss autumn. <laughs> oh, well, you can live vicariously through that video when it goes live and just pretend. Just um, watch Kira's reel from today over and over and then you'll feel like you're in autumn. Mm-hmm, 100%. Um, and then my low of the week isn't really a low because I've had a really nice week, so I don't really we have love that. So I got my nails done today for the first time in six years. Wow. The last time I got my nails done was on my like just before my 18th birthday and it was a great time. But then I started working at Domino's, you weren't allowed to have nail varnish, and I just fell out of the habit of it and I just never yeah. get my nails done. Um but it's my sister's 18th birthday next week, and I thought I'd get my nails done in prep for going to London for her birthday weekend. So I've got my nails done, very happy about it, but it feels really weird. Like I feel very nervous to touch anything and I just feel so anxious that I'm gonna chip a nail or ruin it. <laughs> and I never have this anxiety with my plain nails because who cares and so it's kind of a low because they're so beautiful that I'm scared to ruin them I mean of all the lows to have it's it's a very good good and also I think with nails it's one of those things where you think you're going to chip them but they're a lot stronger most of the time than you give them credit for yeah I was extremely That was so cringe. Um, it was when I was trying to get my card out of my purse to pay, and I was like, Oh, yeah, in that five minutes after you've had them done, it is a bit stressful. I was like, It would be me that smudges them or cracks it literally while I'm still at the salon. But I made it through it. I made it through the you said cracks it then. Cracks <laughs> it. <laughs> uh, so that's me. Do you know what? That's just like reinvigorated me. That was one of those words that in my head. <laughs> I didn't think I was going to be able to say it without stumbling, so I'm glad I did that. Um, my love for getting my nails done because mine are desperately grown out and I need to get them done. But I feel like in my head, I'm like, that's just two hours of my life that I'm going to have to sit there and not do anything, which is really bad part of hustle culture. Like that should be a nice thing. So yeah. I don't know why I'm putting my hands up like everyone can see them. <laughs> Close. Close. But yeah, I need to get mine done. I'm going to get an autumn colour like you because they're on point. Love it. I do have to say it is between you two and Sarah. Um, who've kind of inspired me with the nails because when you came over Jess you were talking about how you've gotten into getting your nails done all the time now Um, and you always have really nice nails Sarah always has nice nails you always show each other your nails and I'm always just like here's my nothing Um, we did have nails yeah I do have nails but they didn't look exciting but now they do so go me go you go me (laughs) and I feel like that is everyone's highs and lows a real variation there I feel like it's been a good week for all apart from some bad dinners and humiliating incidents but in general (laughs) good week good week so shall we move on to the main section where we learn a little bit more about Jess and just basically pepper her with so many questions I don't think I've ever said that I was gonna say I like that description because I always I never really know how to edge into like we're just gonna fire questions at you and that sounds a bit less aggressive do you know what I think I said that out loud I was doing some writing this morning and I used the phrase pepper in some questions and I think I've just used it in my real life when you're not talking well unless there's too much of it in your cauliflower tacos in which case oh yeah (laughs) (laughs) okay main section time Okay, 
so welcome to the main section. We are so excited, as we just said, to have Jess here. So before we start with the questions, I feel like maybe you should give a little intro. Do you want to intro yourself? <laughs> okay, so um, my, my name's Jess and I had a, <laughs> I mean, like that's pretty obvious, but I think most people would know me from either my YouTube or my Instagram, Read by Jess, um, which I don't really post on anymore, but you know, it's there. I, <laughs> I work as an English teacher, but I used to work in publishing um, and I live in Qatar. Awesome. So that, so that has really led us directly into the question. So yeah. that's a great setup. Thank you for that. Um, so I think the first question to kind of start with, especially if we're thinking about a lot of the topics that we talk about on the podcast, like people at university and figuring out what career path to go into is, what did you do at university? How did you get into your first job, which was obviously in publishing? And like, I feel like that's a highly coveted career. As it well. is a very coveted career. And just maybe talk a little bit about your experience in publishing, because yeah, like we say, a lot of people are interested in it, but it's such a broad industry, kind of what did you do in it? Loads of things. Just talk about whatever you want to talk about, really. <laughs> <laughs> I knew I wanted to work in publishing from probably like GCSE. And so like, doing my picking my A-levels and picking what degree course I was going to do was all focused around I wanted to work in publishing and I didn't know that many jobs existed outside of editorial so I was kind of just going for editorial going to do an English degree um, and then when it got towards the end of university and I was looking at jobs I then had this really horrible realization that all of the publishing jobs were in London and yeah. I don't know why that had never occurred to me before, but I guess I just thought there would be a few somewhere else and there really weren't that many. Mm -hmm. um, one job that I did manage to find and then eventually get was as a sales assistant in Leicester for a children's publishing house called Sweet Cherry. And sales did work out to be the best decision for me personally in the end because as much as I love reading, I don't think I could actually have sat down at a computer screen and like read and proofread and all of that kind of thing every day and then gone home to still enjoy reading. I don't understand how people are able to do that because I quickly found that the parts of my job that involved me sitting at my desk were the parts that I didn't enjoy. <laughs> like yeah. sitting there with a spreadsheet and focusing on a task was just not for me. I really enjoyed the parts that were going to have meetings with booksellers, going to trade shows, traveling for book fairs. All of those kind of things were like the joy of my job so I kept trying to like book more meetings in just so I'd have something to go to I was trying to like yeah. book something in for every week just to get me out of the office to meet people and talk about books um but I worked there for two years I think I'm glad that I did it because I think by doing a job that is not for you you can learn so much about what you actually want to do um but it was pretty depressing I, I would come home from like staring at the computer screen all day and just be really low because it just wasn't very fulfilling. I felt very like my brain had worked, but my body had sat still. So, you know, that like weird imbalance of tiredness that you can sometimes get. Yeah. And it was just like one of those things where the days would go slowly. And I was like, this isn't a long-term thing for me. Um, so it was really difficult then to go, well, this is what I've always wanted to do. This is a dream career for so many people. Everyone, that around me seems to want to get into this and I've got it and am I just being ungrateful you know those kind of thoughts come into your head of self-doubt but things started to add up like the culture of publishing in general and I, I don't know if it's just me now or if you sort of noticed this as well but 
it seems to be like every day I log on to Twitter and someone is announcing that they are leaving publishing. Have you noticed that? Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. I do think it's like, you know, it is for so many readers and lovers of fiction, it seems like this like ideal career where you can combine something that you really, really love and are passionate about with something that makes you money and a career. And it seems like an ideal situation. But I do think it is obviously still a job, like a job is a job. And also, as you touched on, like working in the thing that you're so passionate about isn't always the best idea. And it can make you kind of resent everything and feel as if you've not got like that thing to escape to outside of work because there's so much crossover and they're so competitive, even the ones in London, not very well paying. And I think, notoriously hard to climb the career ladder because there's not that many positions available and people stay in them once they've got them so I think it is like a brutal industry um and especially for all those people going to like work in London they probably start to find that they could have a much better reward in the same kind of industry especially obviously editorial is quite specific but in sales and marketing in PR all of the other types of roles you could kind of find another industry to work in still do that same role of marketing PR publishing whatever um and just go outside of publishing make more money and have a more fulfilling life so I think yeah it's more common um and probably difficult for people to get their heads around because like you say you feel you should be grateful to be in this industry that you've always striven towards and is striven a word <laughs> <laughs> you can strive so yeah I do you know what though that kind of debate really reminds me of a post I just read on Twitter in the car on the way here um by Hazel Hayes do you know her she wrote yeah. Out of Love mm-hmm. um which I read last year and really enjoyed and she was she wrote an Instagram caption all about the fact that she's trying to balance at the moment gratitude and grief because she published her book in June 2020, which was not an ideal time to publish a book. It was something she had always wanted to do. It was a dream come true. Um, and then she couldn't do any book launches. She couldn't go anywhere. She couldn't do anything in person. And then she, it got published in America. But again, it was in COVID. I think that's just happened and she can't do anything still. And she's really trying to come to terms with the fact that she has had difficult experiences with something that has always been her dream and that is a lot of other people's dream so I feel like that really reminds me of what you were just talking about is it's hard to know when to leave a career when it's something that so many people want and it's something that you've wanted for such a long time mm-hmm. yeah. yeah definitely but fundamentally I think with publishing there were issues in the whole industry that I was starting to realize if I moved to London or I moved to another place to work in another publishing house the same problems would still be there. So just like the culture of the kind of boozy publishing gatherings where nothing is really achieved, but it's all about networking and all that kind of stuff that just didn't really appeal to me. Um, And for so long, publishing has been talking about how it's all men called Nigel at the top and it's all (laughs) white women who work in editorial and it needs to change. And then you go to these events where like middle-class white women get up and talk about how it needs to change and then it doesn't change and it it's just one of those industries that's so backwards it hasn't moved with the times you look at like film and music which now has streaming services that has moved with what consumers want and it hasn't moved and I felt like I was in a very old-fashioned industry that wasn't moving wasn't changing and the people that you meet like I did meet some very nice people in publishing and I've made friends for life through it but some people you meet you just kind of think this is not the kind of culture that I want to be a part of 
and that really pushed me away in the end that and also like Kira was saying about the money aspect it's pretty disgusting how little people who work in publishing get paid like um I could have worked for <laughs> Weatherspoons and earned more money that's how bad it was really awful yeah like they want skilled people and they want people who are willing to work a lot and really hard and the yeah the money that you get paid is just not enough like that was kind of what drove me away from going into publishing was that like the sacrifice of like having to move to London and spend so much money on rent and move like far away from like family and everything would just be not at all worth the, the pay or just I don't even think the experience I do think it was one of those things it was like a bit of a pipe dream where you're like oh that'd be so amazing but in reality mm. it wouldn't necessarily be mm-hmm. Yeah, and it doesn't even need to be London-centric either. This is, like, what I mean when I say it hasn't moved with the times. Like, they don't need to have all of those offices in London. They could have HarperCollins in Manchester. Penguin could be in York. They don't actually, for any logical reason, need it to be in London. But it just is, because that's the way it's always been. Mm -hmm. Or nor do they need people to be in, like, if their head office is in London, they don't need people to be working from London because so much of it is digital. Um, And yet, even still now, when you look at their, like, recruitment sites, they say, currently working from home, but we will be transitioning back to the office after lockdown or once you're allowed, or three days a week in the office and two from home, knowing full well that that still means people have to live in London because you're not going to be able to, you know, commute for three days a week in London. Like, it's just not feasible but yeah um really interesting to hear about your experience with that yeah I've always really wanted to chat to you about that because I think it's so interesting to hear that side of publishing and also just I think you're really brave um because not only is like I think we've spoken about this before but I don't think you're afraid to step away from something if it no longer like serves you in the way that you wanted it to because I know that we've both taken a step back from YouTube um, and I think we discussed that as well as you have to know when it's right to leave something. And I think you've got that down to a T, which is really inspiring. And I think it will help a lot of people that listen as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Really, really. Oh, thank you. That was really nice. <laughs> You're welcome. Okay. So you've kind of discussed that you were in publishing for two years and you knew that you wanted to move on. But as I think a lot of people have experienced, whether that's like quitting a hobby or in this instance, like leaving a job and figuring out what's next, like, kind of how did you go about that you know did you think okay I might look for a sales job in another industry or did you think straight away no I've done this industry and this style of career and I know it's not for me so I'm looking for something else like how did you go about making that decision and then like what were your next steps in terms of transitioning into a new career I did look originally at writing jobs and applied for a few writing jobs because I've been a freelance journalist before and worked for a magazine in Belfast as well for a few months. So I was thinking I could sort of transition there temporarily while I figure things out. But it came down to, this is a very boring answer, it came down to my husband Patrick because he was just finishing his degree at the time and trying to figure out what he wanted to do. And he went through an absolute whirlwind of wanting to be a lawyer and then wanting to work in the police and then getting to this moment of like I have no idea what I want to do with my life and then deciding that he wanted to be a teacher and so he was doing his teacher training course in my last year that I was working at Sweet Cherry and every day he would come back and tell me amazing stories about the day he'd had the things the children had said how rewarding it was what they'd learned just all of these funny or 
important moments that he'd had that I was really jealous of. And I was like, well, all I've done is type numbers into an Excel and now I just feel a bit rubbish. Whereas he would come back energized from it. So it kind of inspired me to go down that route. My dad at the time was working um, for, he's worked for both TES and ETH. So one of those, which are the main companies that help schools find teachers. So he was also in that sort of educational uh, bracket. And he kept saying to me about working as a teacher abroad and giving me business cards because mm -hmm. he was saying, this is an amazing opportunity to have a career, to travel and do something completely different outside of your comfort zone. He knew that I'd wanted to travel for ages um, and I'd always wanted to live abroad as well. So he was like, this ticks all of the boxes. So he was pushing me down that route. Patrick was already training as a teacher and it got to the point where we decided we wanted to live abroad. So Patrick was applying for jobs everywhere. We were looking at Dubai, Malaysia, Vietnam, Singapore, like literally everywhere. And then his job in Qatar came up and I said, I've never heard of Qatar. Well, I don't really know a lot about it, but let's just apply. You just see if you're going to get the job and we'll go from there. He got the job and I was then faced with this reality of, wait, he has a job and I don't. <laughs> um, this isn't going to work. So I was looking at if there were any jobs here where I could use my skills from publishing. And there weren't really because most of the jobs here tend to be in education or finance or oil. So at that point, I was like, I'll come out with you and I'll be a teaching assistant, which was great for about a day. And then my parents <laughs> called an intervention on me and they were like, uh, Jess, you're not going to be happy with that because you've already been in a work environment where you feel bored. So if you go out and be a TA and you're kind of stuck at that level because you haven't done your teach training and you feel like you can't progress, you're going to get bored again really soon. And then you're going to be right back to where you are now. So we made the decision that he was going to come out here and I was going to spend a year back in the UK training to be a teacher, which I did, and then got a job out here. And it's literally the best decision I've ever made. I just love my job now, which is a great thing to say. That's so amazing. Like, it's, I think, so scary to think about making that decision to leave what you know and embrace a different career path. And not only that, but then to think about moving abroad, but then to have done it and then now like a year later be able to say that was the best decision is like so rewarding I think yeah because, absolutely you know you never know like once you do it like you don't know what you're gonna feel about it until you've done it but it's very good that you feel so positive about it it's a definite reminder to anyone that's listening and also to us as well I guess um that if you're ever worried about doing something or not doing something take the leap because it can absolutely pay off which it sounds like it did and so I guess another question we want to know is how did you find teacher training and like becoming a teacher which I guess you've kind of already answered but do you have any other advice for anyone that is you know thinking about becoming a teacher when they haven't done it as a degree because I know some teachers that did it as a degree and um, obviously you did it after you did your main English degree Am yeah right? yes um so yeah how did you find doing it after your main degree so there's all different kinds of teacher training courses, which normally really throws people. So you can do the university led course where you have lectures and seminars, like you're doing a degree. And there's also a more school direct course, which is what I did. And then you have teach first as well, which is quite similar. So school direct means that you don't go to university at all. So even though it's accredited by university, I never went there. I went to a 
training school which was a secondary school where trainee teachers could go for their theory but you could also sort of do learning walks and see teachers in action to sort of learn from them and then they put you in placements that way and it was like the hardest thing um, I've ever done but in a way that it was challenging and it was actually a lot of work you never get bored but I think the most surprising thing for me was I've always thought of myself as quite a confident person and in publishing especially in my role in sales I had to stand up in front of hundreds of people at trade shows quite often and deliver presentations and that didn't bother me at all but as soon as I was in front of 30 teenagers <laughs> I had no confidence <laughs> and I don't know if it was partly because of some like poor relationships I had in publishing where I was made to feel like I was stupid and made to feel like I wasn't good at my job and then that sort of fed into me as a person I had to unlearn those things and my mentor that I had was trying to kind of say no you are actually good at this you need to just kind of believe in yourself a little bit more and it sounds so cringe but it makes such a difference to you as a teacher if you have that confidence in yourself um but that was probably like the hardest thing and then just I didn't like being bad at it to begin with like you know when you're when you start something you are going to not be the best version of you at it but I just felt like I was beating myself up every day that I wasn't this amazing teacher and the best lesson that I learned was perfectionism is the worst enemy of teaching because you can never be perfect there's no such thing as being a perfect teacher you always reflect and think I could have done that better. I could have explained that better. I could have had that extra resource that would have helped that one kid. So instead of just kind of beating yourself up, it's just a reflection and growing like process that you go through. But it's a hard lesson to learn at the start when you're driving home. And I remember like there was one time that I cried in the first term and it was a teacher training day. So the kids weren't even there, <laughs> but I had been planning these lessons about Laws of the Flies and the um, teacher whose class it was came and looked at them and pointed out all the things that weren't like quite right with them or how they could be improved but there was quite a lot to improve because I'd never taught a novel before and I just like felt really really bad about myself but it's one of those things where because you are learning so much and because there's just like the training is very very intense and you train by doing it you train by doing it in front of people and embarrassing yourself in front of people and getting it wrong in front of people. It's a really hard thing to go through, but it is also very rewarding as well. Yeah, I can only imagine how scary it is to stand in front of like 30 teenagers, which is just, uh, no. That is not something that I would be good at, I don't think. I remember, well, both of the people that I lived with in my last, so I'm in a flat now, but I was in a house, um, and two of them were teachers and they were primary teachers. And I remember hearing their lessons when we were in lockdown and they were doing mm -hmm. online lessons. And I was just thinking, I'm not sure I could control a classroom of kids. Like, obviously you're talking about older teenagers, but they were doing primary school um, children. And I just, I have so much respect because I could <laughs> not do that. <laughs> but I do follow a really funny teacher on TikTok who is like a kindergarten teacher in America and like she always does like videos about like how she talks to kindergartners and like are talking to them as if like talking to adults like kindergartners and things like that yeah um, and I always think like they they in the school that I worked at because I did um an admin job in a primary school when I was at university there was always like a, a clap system where you just hear like a teacher going like clap 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 and then the kids have to do it back 
when they like try and oh right or I would hear in the the teacher on TikTok she's always like one two three eyes on me (laughs) (laughs) and things like that I feel like if I was teaching a group of uh, small children you could get the hang of it but older children have a mind all of their own and I feel like um I mean obviously it's a skill that's learned and like you said it wasn't something that you felt like you were a natural at immediately so anyone listening like if you are interested in that as a career path obviously it will be scary but if that's like the right career path for you then you will develop those skills and and put the work in and obviously like a few months down the line you'll no longer think oh my god how terrifying room of students you'll just Mm. feel like at home there I suppose but um I think the most important thing is that like as a teacher that you are the kind of person that can evolve and learn and if someone gives you feedback you take the feedback well because I met so many people on my there was like the course I did was like a really really big course and so quite a few people I met got very um like took the feedback personally and they wouldn't act on it and they were like this person's kind of out to get me so (laughs) it's one of those things where if you have that defensive response you're just going to get stuck um, and as hard as it is to hear you have to act on the feedback and it is one of those careers where you are constantly getting feedback and you have to like constantly improve and you're observed and all those kind of things so it kind of never ends yeah I bet I'm interested to know like obviously you did an English degree and you also had a YouTube channel where you would talk a lot about books and so obviously like speaking aloud about books and your thoughts on books I'm sure is something that you feel like quite confident about but how did that like compare to then trying to educate younger people on how they can formulate like their own ideas on literature and things like that I'm interested to know. Yeah I think it's the it traveled across because you want them to get to the point where they can read well enough to form their own interpretations and have their own opinions and enjoy it so it was kind of like I want them to get to this point where it's enjoyable even if I can't just sit here and speak at them because that won't be very enjoyable for them right now and it's been it's had its ups and its downs because sometimes you have to teach things that are not personally your favorite topics or like your favorite books your favorite poems but then it reminds you of all those things that you studied when you were at school that actually you really enjoyed that you come back to a poem and you're like I remember studying that that was actually really interesting and I feel like I have learned more about English by being an English teacher than I did in my whole degree completely because you have to teach yourself a lot of the content and make sure that you know it to an expert level so that whatever question they're firing at you you can either know it or you know I'm not ashamed to google things in front of them but it's nice for them to be able to feel like they can ask you any questions and you can talk about it and have your own ideas ready to hand so that part of it is really enjoyable because I feel like I'm getting loads of information out of the books and I can sort of share that excitement with them but it is hard because I teach students who really really struggle because all the girls I teach it's an all girls private school they're all Qatari girls and so they are all then English as an additional language which means that it's very difficult for them to access the higher texts that we're used to in the UK mm-hmm. and like their reading level might be lower um, and they might struggle more but then you can just see them have those kind of light bulb moments. Like when you read a story and they get to the end of the story and there's like some kind of twist and you see their like faces click the twist. It's just such an exciting thing to see. Um, And I guess with YouTube, you never get to see that because you're filming on your own. Whereas now it's a shared experience. Yeah, I bet that's really nice. Cause obviously like you talk on, on YouTube in the hopes of like creating that community but it's not 
like a real-time situation so I do bet that's really nice because obviously especially you know we both an English degree you know you get that like experience of like talking about books in a group of people who are all interested in books in your seminars and everything and then you leave university and that's kind of like gone unless you have friends mm -hmm. who are also into reading so I bet that's really nice as well to kind of like like usher in a new group of readers mm -hmm. together, like. and to hear new ideas because I'm teaching English literature GCSE this year and that's like an optional subject out here so like they have to do English language but literature is like one that they can choose like a language or French like history French is a language or you know one of those and so to have kids that really want to do plays and they want to read Shakespeare and all of the rest of it and then they're coming up with their own ideas about Macbeth and sometimes I'm sat there like how did you come up with this idea because I've never <laughs> heard it before but it's so spot on <laughs> yeah I guess with children as well you know like there's I guess like less of a I don't know like a block of like when you're at a degree level you're probably like thinking more in terms of like what classes like proper literary theory and like looking at like the arguments of other people and using that to influence yours whereas I feel like when you're at that GCSE level people who are really into reading they're just kind of like stepping into that like critical reading mindset and so I think there probably are like open to more ideas and interpretations um which is really fun and mm, just like constantly um, in any situation that I have been I've not been a teacher um but when you're around young people by how much they pick up and then like how much they have to share with you which I think would be something that's so rewarding about being a teacher um so we've talked a lot about like your career change which is obviously a huge change but that's not the only huge change that you have <laughs> undergone in the last couple of years so please tell us more about moving abroad and what that was like and what you wish you'd done differently or what you got spot on when moving and just yeah just chat to us about that so moving to a country that you've never visited before is <laughs> something and I wouldn't necessarily do it again but that doesn't mean it was the wrong decision because I think I was leaving behind a life that I wasn't very happy with and I kind of thought well it's not going to get too much worse than this and if it does then I can just leave it and try something else but I think if you're happy in your situation I would highly recommend visiting the country you're planning on moving to first um, because it is like a blind leap of faith but it was softened because Patrick came out that year before me so luckily that was before Covid and I could visit him in the October half term, I came out for Christmas, I came out in February and then we got into that first lockdown so I'd had my three visits, he had already learned his way around you know even things like getting a phone sim and sorting out your wi-fi and how rent works those kind of daily life things he'd already learned loads of uh, things about that so it would be so much harder to jump into it completely afresh I feel really lucky that I had that because I know for him it was really overwhelming and luckily it was a lot of new teachers coming out with him that could sort of they all looked after each other but Moving here was a really good decision. I wanted to move here, I guess, because of the location. Qatar, if you've never seen it on a map, it's basically like in line with Dubai. It's like a 40 minute flight in the Middle East. And so I could go to Africa, I could go to Europe, I could go to Asia, and it's not that far away. So the idea of like this uh, October half term, we're gonna go to Istanbul for a long weekend. And it's just there, oh it's really, really nice. Nice. <laughs> yeah. And oh, I'm thinking about where I'm gonna go at Christmas and it is hard at the moment because of COVID. But if COVID wasn't there, I've had friends that have gone to Oman, India, 
Egypt, Seychelles, like so many different places that you can get to from here that it just fully sold it for me. I was like, not having to de-ice my car in the morning because it's already 25 <laughs> to 30 degrees is <laughs> great. Nice. Being able to travel is great. And just having that lifestyle where, because it is a, a country where you're not taxed on what you earn. And if you come out to work in a country like this, they provide you with things like accommodation. So what I earn is just mine and all I have to spend money on is food. Puts you in a, a very comfortable that financial situation. Screaming. That is lovely. It is. I'm like, we're on our way. <laughs> Let's go out to the we out there. I wasn't used to having disposable income. So when like the first pay came in and I was like, what do you mean? I can afford to like go and do stuff on the weekend. This is nice. <laughs> um, so like having that and now because it's like we will do like beach days, pool days, we'll go quad biking in the desert. Like there's just fun things to do. Um, I've been jet skiing since I've been here, like just tried all these different things. Um, it's been like a bit of an adventure and that side of being able to travel even within the country that you move to is really exciting. Like I've had friends that have moved to Thailand and Thailand is so big that they can just like on the weekend go and see a different part of Thailand and they feel like they've had a whole holiday. Yeah, um, yeah. I guess like hearing the excitement that you two have when you talk about going to London, um, I feel that because like that's the excitement that I'm getting when like today we were planning on going to this water park and it's on the other side of Qatar. And okay, I was only an hour away because this country is really small, but it was like, I've never been to this part of the country before. It's going to be a complete adventure. And it's just fun. Yeah, I bet just like being in a completely new place and getting to experience it for the first time is really cool. And also like, obviously, like you say, you get the opportunity to travel with COVID permitting, but then you also not only get to like travel more easily, but then have also like made a home in somewhere completely new, which is exciting in and of itself. Um, which kind of leads me to ask this next question, which is, you may not know the answer to this, so feel free to say, <laughs> I have no idea. But um, long term, what do you think life has in store for you? Um, in terms <laughs> of, you know, you're obviously, both you and Patrick out in Qatar, you're both teachers, which would then give you the opportunity to work in many places across the world. So where do you reckon you'll be like, I don't want to use the in 10 years time thing but like do you plan to stay in Qatar long term or do you think you'll move somewhere else abroad come back here what do you reckon I feel like we're about to watch someone have an existential crisis over zoom like I said feel free to say I've literally no idea and that is fine <laughs> I have like I have a, a problem and you have no idea how many times I've almost sent this to your agony on so maybe you can help me with it <laughs> but yeah. In terms of like the next couple of years, I know I definitely want to stay in Qatar for like, I'm 25 now. And I think most of my twenties, like what's left of it, what's left of it, oh I want to spend here. And <laughs> um, we've got like the World Cup's going to be here next year. Like it's an exciting time to be here. And like I say, I really, really like my job. Um, so I think I'll do that. And the way the contracts work out is normally you sign for a two year contract with your job. Um, and sometimes you can do one year extension. So if I, you resign, you're kind of making that decision for a few years in advance. So short term, I feel like definitely here. Um, long term, I'm not sure mm -hmm. because I don't think I would want to be a teacher in the UK in terms of, I mean, I could probably do private because I'm doing private education now, but mm -hmm. state education in the UK, I just think the way teachers are treated is horrific. Like on my teacher training course, they said, make sure you have one day a week off. And I was like, hang on a minute, there's two days in the weekend. What's this one day <laughs> yeah. nonsense? And like how teachers are underpaid in the UK, overworked, 
the way kids are assessed and examined, like examined constantly. Um, it's just not the system I want to be in and how rigid that curriculum is. Mm -hmm. Because in the UK, you are basically told what you have to teach. Whereas in a private school, um, and you can do this in a private school in the UK as well, you have more say over your curriculum. So because I started at a school that I was only, I was the second English teacher hired. And I was there when the school went from just having year seven to having seven, eight, nine, ten. I got to help make those decisions about what books are we going to teach them? What poems are we going to teach them? And that freedom is so satisfying. So um, I don't think I could work in the state schools in the UK. That would be like very, very depressing and hard to go back to. Um, with, we love Canada. So that would potentially oh, be an option. Like, the amount of maple syrup you could have. <laughs> it would be oh, definitely I, we love it. <laughs> yeah, and Patrick's extended family um, live in British Columbia. So we've spent a lot of time there and we love Vancouver, so that could maybe be a thing. But the problem is that at some point, I know I'm gonna want to have kids and I know I'm gonna want my parents or my family to yeah. know them and for them to have that relationship. But I can't just ask my brothers and my parents and everyone to just move wherever I move. So I've got this <laughs> issue of, do I accept that they are not gonna have that close bond that they will see each other in person all the time? Or do I just like sacrifice my own career slash happiness so that they can have that relationship which would also make me happy and I just don't know you know that is something I've thought about as well again I don't have children right now but I definitely would want them um, and both Jay and I are like open to the prospect of like moving abroad and Canada is somewhere that's come up for us we also really like the concept of America and um, we used to talk about moving to Germany all the time um, and like it's definitely something that I'd be excited to do but yeah it's like a thing of like oh do I want to have like a family who like we will just be like a single family unit and there won't be any extended family around and also like not just from my own point of view my mum will definitely be listening to this and she'll be like how dare you talk about <laughs> taking my like, potential grandchildren away um because it is it's like a loss for for kind of everyone involved so it is like a balancing act and I feel it's kind of one of those things that you won't really know what's right until you've done it which is like the worst response to an agony aunt question because it, it is like it's so tough and also so personal because for some some people like family might be like the most important thing and you know job career and in, like industry how you like sort of fit that into your life is always going to be second whereas other people you know their career is really important it's where you spend the majority of your week and that might be you know something that means more to you than proximity to family so it's so tough to answer yeah I'm I mean that one's really difficult for me because the thought of living somewhere and having an adventure like that is amazing but I am so close to my mum that like and I had such a close relationship with my grandparents um that for me like that would be something that would probably win over but I think in this situation like the advice that I would give is is there any way of moving back to England for a year before like you have the kids um the hypothetical children um, and trying to see if you can find a place in the UK where you feel happy like with your identity not as a as a parent first and if that's no way possible and if it's going to impact your happiness like long term and you're going to like lose identity not to be dramatic but you know if that mm -hmm. if any of those things happen then maybe it's not worth moving back to the UK but if you move back before you have the responsibilities of being a parent and carve out a place for yourself in the UK that you feel really happy in or you feel content in and then that would be a good place to start building a family from there like does that make sense it that's does. such good advice yeah 
it's one of those things I feel like you know having children is always something that people well not always but a lot of time people put like a lot of thought and effort into like planning and then often yeah plans don't go to plan and then before mm-hmm. you know you've accidentally had a child and you're in Canada Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> so you know it's just one of those things and also like no decision you make is a forever decision so yeah. if you moved abroad had your kids decided a year into the child's life or even five years you know whatever that oh actually I would rather be closer to family like you can move back Mm. so as with anything just like do what feels right at the time but know that you can change it you know like you've changed career paths and changed countries you know you can change whatever you want whenever you want so and if I I mean this is a very big leap in time for me right now but if I was a grandparent (laughs) (laughs) and I got the opportunity to go to Canada to visit my grandparents (laughs) or any of the places you just mentioned I would think that's a great chance to see family and have a holiday as well so there's that as well (laughs) it's true it's like one of those things where there's there's so many pros and cons on both sides because like imagine being a kid growing up in an international school and like having those experiences of meeting kids from all over the world and like living in different countries and how cool that would be but then on the other hand I'm like you I'm like me and my mum are basically best friends and so Mm. the idea of her not being part of it when she's already knitted clothes for these hypothetical oh, children no. and shown them to me oh, so God. I mean my heart just is torn yeah I should say I feel now like you I am really close with my mum as well I just think that you know like for example my mum she doesn't live where she was born she was born in Ireland lived there 15 years then moved over here because her dad was here but her mum was still in Ireland and I think it was a difficult decision but the right one for her um and you know I do think that would be a struggle and I I definitely think that you know for me and Jay when we used to talk about moving to Germany I don't know that we necessarily thought that would be like a long-term decision mm. but I think in terms of life experience it would be cool to move abroad um for a little while at least but like whether I'd want to do it super long term I don't know but the thing for me and Jay as well is like we'd both love to be close to family um Jay didn't want to even move to Surrey at one point where I had a job into there because he didn't want to move away from his his parents at that point um but England just gets so overpopulated and new build houses are everywhere and I'm starting to get to the point where like the things I love about England and the like scenery and the nature I just worry like in in our lifetime how different that will look because Mm -hmm. of how quickly the you know building industry is having to respond to like population growth and it, it scares me so it's a it's a struggle because I'd love to stay in a family but equally you know there are other things where you're like ah oh, that part of my life I would love to experience somewhere else so yeah it's tough but I do yeah. love you mum sorry if you're listening and you're heartbroken <laughs> I think like the thing is you can only ever plan to extend the last couple of years has shown us all that so <laughs> yeah. I think you can't get caught up in too much of the long term because you have no idea what's going to happen so yeah and to, to conclude that kind of agony on the spot <laughs> we're not Sorry. sure tough one it's tough uh, it's so individual and like I said I think you'll know what the right decision is when it happens mm. whether that's like you accidentally make the wrong decision and that's how, like starting the wrong career mm. I think deep down when you make a decision you like have that gut feeling which is so annoying to say if you're wanting advice but I think we do have guts guts for a reason <laughs> gut, gut instincts for a reason we also sponsor us 
<laughs> we do actually also have guts for a reason so that's true and um, but we have gut instincts for a reason and I think there's only so long you can kind of ignore that where you know if you've made the right decision or the wrong decision so mm. fear not your mind will tell you if you've made the wrong choice <laughs> <laughs> yeah I feel like this has been a great episode for like just talking about making decisions and like having the courage to make decisions like I feel like it's all we've asked a lot we've like really definitely <laughs> you are almost as tepid as the cauliflower tacos (laughs) (laughs) but the theme I think has been just taking the leap Mm -hmm. where am I going with this taking the leap (laughs) take the leap yeah Yeah. you know I think so many people would be you in publishing knowing that you'd gone into the wrong career but you're 40 and you've stayed in that wrong career for Mm. over 20 years and just have realized like how bad of a decision you've made but you were too scared to take that chance and try something new and I think you are just such a great example of like so many people they don't want to change too soon because they think well I've, I've done this degree I've gone down this career path I've committed now so I've got to stick with it and you've really shown that you don't need to do that and that the alternative of taking a chance and trying something new can be just so positive for your life in general and just your mental health your attitude to work and I just think whether Mm -hmm. it's a hobby or a career path you know it's just listen to your gut take the chance because the worst thing is that you figure out oh actually I should have stuck with that other career path and then you Mm -hmm. just apply for a new job back where you were before Mm -hmm. yeah and like that's it you've taken a chance and you know but you clearly show like it's good to take the chance yeah and then you're never yeah. wondering what if you've just taken the leap mm-hmm. so I think and oh, as we said on. at the start as well with the having a bad job experience just teaches you actually what you want so even if you do take the leap and it's a bad experience you're then one step closer to getting to that good experience absolutely Definitely. a very good piece of advice for anyone <laughs> listening um and to finish the episode I think it's only right that we ask you since you did have a booktube channel it still exists if anyone wants to watch it um <laughs> what the best book that you've ever read this year of all time is Damn, just, yeah, just a book recommendation that you love and that you would like to share okay am I allowed to yeah, yeah. of course okay so best book of all time is the truth about the Harry Cover affair by Joel Dicker which is amazing like almost 600 page thriller it's just like the most clever twisty thriller I've ever read and perfection chef's kiss as Kira would say. <laughs> and um as in terms of like the best book I've read recently it was actually the book that I picked up when we were in York which was The Castaways and oh, literally the best amazing. book I've read so far this year it's amazing have you read it yet I haven't it's still on my shelf so I was well, I've been busy. I haven't done as much reading as I would like. But then I thought, as it started getting closer and closer to October, I thought, okay, thriller, that sounds like a good time in October. And I might actually take it with me on the train to London next week. So nice. that will be a great time. Nice. So yeah, you've got that amazing. one. I've read The Harry Cubert Affair. I really love that one too. So yeah, great book recommendations. And thank you so much for coming on the podcast because I feel like this has been not only like interesting for anyone listening, but also I found this really interesting. Yeah, I know. It does make me just want to like leap into a new career. I wasn't looking for a new career, but now I'm like, should I? Maybe I will. Um, So it gave me a lot of inspo. But yeah, this has been so much fun. And we are so grateful that you wanted to join us on the podcast. I hope it hasn't like you know hope it's lived up to your expectations definitely like if you ask me now what my high of the week is I have a new high <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Amazing. we just went very high <laughs>
<laughs> as per usual we get to the like tailing off the episode part and we just don't know what to do I know we'll I don't wonder if we'll ever nail that like part of the podcast because I'm not yeah. sure There's, it's been a, quite a lot of episodes now we're like we're 45 episodes in <laughs> what you saying? we're like 45 I'm like no we're not not yet uh, but anyway with that said thank you so much for listening and we will catch you in the next one bye bye <laughs>